What's going on, everybody? This is Drew here. I want to welcome you all to a brand new episode of Phoenix Down. This is Phoenix Down, episode number 49.0. We are playing through a a game that's been on our list for as long as we've wanted to do this show. As long as we've had a list. Yeah, as long as we've had a list, it's been on here. Um, Kingdoms of Amalore Reckoning. Uh, And uh, today I have with me Matthew Quinn. Hello, friends. So yeah, Kingdoms of Amalore Reckoning um, came out in 2012, uh, created by 3H Studios as well as Big Huge Games, and was published by Electronic Arts. Um, there is an entire story just talking about the development of this game. Yeah. Uh, it's it's kind of crazy. So 3A Studios was led by Kurt Schilling, who, if people don't know, was a professional baseball player. Red Sox. The Red Sox. Uh, and um, he was a huge gamer. He absolutely loved video games, and I, I think he, he really loved World of Warcraft. That was one of his favorite games, I believe. Uh, and he wanted to make a game that was like that. He wanted to get into the game business. And his jersey number was 38. Yeah. So it was 38 Studios. <laughs> um, and he had some pretty big ambitions. I mean, this guy, he, I think it's originally he set out to make an MMO. Uh, is that, is that what this feels like or is that the actual truth of the matter? No, that, that's, that's, that's what the truth was. He, okay. he set out to make a MMO and unfortunately ran out of resources, I think. Uh, and at the same time, I think he wanted to, he wanted to establish the kingdoms of Amalur as kind of like a brand and as, as lore. And then after that, make an MMO because he had assets and, and stuff like that. Cause after he released this game, he, he he had his team to go ahead and start working on the MMO. Uh, I can't remember what the name of it was, but it, it had a name, I think. Um, and it was supposed to be set in the Kingdoms of Amalur world. Um, and you can kind of tell just by playing this game. Um, yeah. There's so many different things that you can do, you know, like uh, crafting and you know, scavenging for materials and all these different things that you can do in this game. And it feels like a single-player MMO. It's really strange just looking at it from like a bird's-eye view. Yeah, not to mention when you look at the other talent involved with it. I mean, if you told me that this was going to be set in a world where the story was written by R.A. Salvatore, and the art was done by Todd McFarlane. You know, I am I would perk up quite a bit. And then on top of that, you tell me that the game is pretty good, got good reviews. You know, everybody seems to say you should play it. I would be like, wow, this was a, this was a pretty fantastic convergence of a lot of different factors that might not have worked out, but apparently it did work out. So you would think, oh, I can't wait for the sequel. You know, this good good thing this game was shepherded along well and, uh, you know, can be the start of a new franchise. And then it's it's really sad that despite churning out what, uh, from all reports, seems to be a very good game. Absolutely. Wasn't enough. Yeah. I think it was just mismanaged. Um, unfortunately, I don't think Mr. Schilling knew what he was doing. Uh, when it came to financial stuff. Um, and he also borrowed a ton of money from the state of Rhode Island. Yeah, $75 million. Yeah, and they never see any returns on that. Um, and I think he just kind of just, you know, hey, we got all this money. Let's just spend it and make this game as great as we can. Well, what if not everybody buys it, you know? Yeah. Although to be fair, you know they made such a good game, one might expect maybe that it would have sold better than it did. That's true, and I think it sold relatively well. I could be wrong. I need to bring up the page on that. Let me bring up. 
I think I saw something about it selling a total of around 1.3 million, and that, it needed to sell about three million to break even. Yeah, that, that I mean that honestly sounds about right. Wikipedia here. <sighs> Because now I'm, I'm actually really curious here. Because I, I mean, it all makes sense. A lot of times, companies are getting shut down because they release shit products. Okay, that's you know that's one thing. A lot of times, you have companies who maybe just didn't release a game in a while, stuck in development hell. They can't get the game made, and they get shut down, and that sucks. But it's more understandable from a business perspective. I've, I, how often is it that somebody releases such a great game and gets immediately shut down right after? Yeah. So I didn't know this either. Now that you mention it, you said that Todd McFarlane did the artwork. Grant Kirkhope did the music for the game. And if you don't know who that guy is, he was a huge uh, composer for the Rare games, including one of my favorite games of all time, GoldenEye 64. So, yeah, that dude knows his shit when it comes to it comes to game soundtracks. Um, but let's see your sales on March 10th, 2012. It was projected by NPD that the game sold over 330,000 physical copies in the U S Kurt Schilling later retweeted that it sold 1.2 million by the 90 day mark. Rhode Island governor Lincoln Chaffee claimed the game was a failure as it needed to sell over 3 million copies to break even. That's, uh, that's horrible. I, I hate to see that because I really love this game. So my history, I'll just go ahead and go into my history with this game. I played this game when it came out. Uh, day one, uh, we received from Electronic Arts a review copy, and I was to review this game. There was a bit of a mix-up. We were supposed to get the game about three days early. Unfortunately, we did it, and I got it the day it came out. So I then decided to do my best to get this review out in a timely manner. And I put about 25 hours into it in about three days. And I was like, I never want to play this game again because huh. I burned myself out so quickly. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of, it's crazy the the amount of star power in this game. Um, it's like like just thinking about th this game had hit written all over it, you know, and it was, but just not good enough. So, what do you think then was the problem? Was it the way it was marketed that it didn't sell more? Were people nervous because of concerns over development, even if the end product and the reviews said it was a pretty good game? Well, let's find out here, because now I'm curious. It came out February 7th of 2012. I want to find out what happened in February of 2012 game releases of 2012 in February. Let's check it out. Da, 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 da. February. Well, we got... What's the big ones here? The Darkness 2. Uh, the Jack and Daxter Collection. Resident Evil Revelations. Um, so, nothing AAA? Nothing that day, no. Uh, let's see here. So I feel like this should have been the marquee title then that month. Alan Wake came out the sixteenth. No, oh, for the, for Windows. Excuse me. Never mind. That's that's for Windows only. Um, Send it. Syndicate came out the twenty first of February. Um. Ultimate, no. No. I'm looking at nothing. Binary domain. Uh, that's it. Yep. 
Yeah, this is weird. Uh, I know it came out around the same time as um, Dragon's Dogma. Yeah, they've always been sort of linked in my mind. Uh, yeah, I want to say Dragon's Dogma came out about a month later. I could be wrong here. Dragon's Dogma. Cause they're I, actually they're actually both on our list to play. Yeah, Dragon's Dogma came out in uh, April. Of, okay. No, no, came out in May of uh of 2012 so about two months three months afterwards so yeah i mean that i don't know that's that's a good question i do not know why kingdoms of amalore reckoning failed um all intents and purposes i thought it was a fantastic game i mean you can read my review it's still up on the website gave it like a 9.2 or a 9.3 something like that i absolutely love the game it was just I had played so much of it in such a short amount of time. I was so done with it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's that's a hard one. That that's it's such a weird anomaly. Yeah, it's, it's strange. You always you always see things that become so popular, and sometimes you don't really have any idea why. And it's kind of sad to see something fail when you can't really point to a specific reason why. Yeah. I um, and I think I honestly, it 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 sold pretty well at launch, but I think it garnered kind of like a cult following later on. And I mean, a lot of people love this game. Yeah. Um. I mean, myself included. I, th- I thought it was absolutely fantastic. And going back to it. I can see that there are some faults with the game, but for the most part, it's a solid role-playing game, um, and one that you don't see every day. Um, aside from Dragon's Dogma, which came out later, uh, Kingdoms of Amalur was one of the first kind of skill-based role-playing games I had played in a long time. Um because it's yeah it does have a ton of RPG elements but it all boils down to are you decent at the combat cuz i mean i don't know are you playing this on normal yeah yeah i am too and uh, even on normal i've gotten the crap beat out of me a couple of times yeah i have too and at first i was like oh mom i can't wait to start complaining about this game but to be honest, actually, the times that I've died and the way that my subsequent approaches have fared, I don't really think it was the game that was the problem. Yeah. Uh, it, and actually, I was going to complain about the combat, but I, I basically quickly uh, decided that the combat's just, just fine. It's pretty good, actually. So my my thing about it is, um, how many times do you hold L1 to block? Uh, I- I'm still trying to figure that out. I did at first because I thought it just blocked everything, but then I realized it only blocks a percentage of the hit. Uh-huh. So I've been trying to build up my dodge abilities more. Right. And, uh, you know, r- really be a bit more, more nimble so I don't need to block. Okay. So I never block ever. <laughs> I think that's one of the reasons why I've died a bunch of times. Um, so uh, there's a lot to explain about this game. And, and before I even try to delve into the story, um, the mechanics of the game. So as a role-playing game, uh, you will earn skill points every time you level up. You gain experience points every time you kill something or disarm a trap or, uh, you know, lockpick something or complete quest, whatever. Uh, and when you level up, you have um, three things, basically, that you do when you level up. Uh, the first one being you can allocate a certain point or one point into an attribute, which is like alchemy or... Uh, blacksmithing or lock picking, um, all these different little skills that are kind of like, I wouldn't say passive skills. They're, they're skills that, that utilize, that you utilize while in the game. So it has nothing to do to really do with combat or anything like that. Um, 
And then uh, the uh, second thing that you do is you allocate skill points to three different types of affinities. Uh, the affinities are sorcery, might, and finesse. So these are your three main classes. It's your trees. It, it's your three main archetypes. How about that? Yeah. Um, and you can put points into whatever you want to. So I can put a point into a might ability or one into sorcery or whatever. And you can choose whatever you want. So you, you're not set to a certain class. Um, and after allocating those points, you then choose your destiny. What? Yeah. I- that was the only part I didn't really get because why do I keep choosing my destiny? Why don't I just pick my destiny and go with it? Just in case you allocate points again to something else. So if you were to allocate enough points to finesse and sorcery, you could then take on the destiny of a sorcery and – oh, there goes the text message. Uh, sorcery and um, uh, finesse. Yeah, I guess, I mean, that's what I did. I started off uh, sorcery-based. Yep. And then as I leveled up, I got the option to do a Tier 2 Destiny. So I'm basically half sorcery, half might. Okay. So you're going kind of like a battle mage? Yeah. Cool, because I'm going kind of like a shadow dancer. <laughs> I am. I am doing sorcery and finesse. I started out I started out straight up sorcery for like five levels. Yeah. And just recently I because I found some Fey Blades that are really, really good. Like some rare Fey Blades that I like I'm like, wow, I shouldn't have got this so early in the game. Huh. Um and I'm like, okay, I'll put some points into finesse because I want to use those. Um so I'm gonna be kinda of like a a shadow dancer is is a, a, a character class in D and D, so and they're kind of like a magician slash rogue type. Um, so yeah, that's that's where that's the way I'm going. I was really just going to go straight up sorcerer because I remember the sorcery in this game is kind of overpowered at times. Mm. Um, you know, depending on if the, what what you're fighting, because certain certain things you fight may have elemental resistances and stuff like that, but. For the most part, when you throw your electrical attack thing that you get at the beginning, once you buff that thing up, it fucking decimates guys. Oh, really? I've been using mostly like secondary weapons, which maybe I guess sorcery doesn't even doesn't even come into play. I was thinking more if I use a staff as my primary, and then whatever the little trident handheld trident thing is that shoots magic out of it. Uh huh. So I've been using most of those. Maybe, maybe I haven't even been buffing myself because I haven't been using actual sorcery. So, um, yeah. So y- you know, you can when you're allocating points in the three different affinities, um, you can get abilities. Which, if you hold down the R one button, you can use them. So think of it like magic spells uh, that use up your mana. And then the, the might spell, the might quote unquote spells and the, the, the finesse spells still use your mana too. So everything kind of comes from the same pool. Um, and so you can kind of mix and match whatever you want to. Uh, and then you can also buff them up by putting more points into them. Yeah. First impression, I, I like it. I feel like I have a, a lot of control over my character. There's a lot of options. You know, they've actually forced it down my throat a number of times that I can respect basically anytime I want so I don't feel trapped at all by decisions. So, uh, yeah, first impression is I'm, I'm excited to see what I can evolve and what I use more and then, you know, just how, how, how I'm going to build this guy. Yeah, um, going to a Fate Weaver and talking to them, you can respect completely. Um, and it costs a little bit of money, but not much. Um. But yeah, that's one of the great things that I've always liked about this game was the fact that you're not stuck with a class, you know. You know, in Dragon Age, you well, if you're a mage, well, you're a mage, you know. There's no going around it. Um, and then this one, if I've been using a staff for half the game, 
fuck it, I'm going to a great sword right away. And I totally can. Um, and that's what, that's kind of what I liked about the combat was just kind of how free flowing it kind of was. Yeah. Um, where I can, you know, right now I'm using what they call the, the Chikaras. It's these, the circular discs. Um, it's a, it's a magic, uh, weapon. And so I use these circular discs and I kind of throw them like a boomerang real fast and it hits multiple enemies. So it has like a mid range kind of thing. That's my main weapon. And then my, my secondary weapon is the Fey blades, which are like these two large blades that are a finesse. So I can hit guys at mid range. And then when they get up close, I hit them with the Fey blades real fast. And, uh, so far that's been working out really well for me. And, uh, one of the things I liked about it was just how, you know, it, it, it's such an action based game more than anything. Yeah, very much so. And, um, you know, it's, it, it feels like, you know, it feels like I have more control over the battle than just, oh, my stats aren't high enough. You know, you, you'll eventually, I mean, yeah, sure. If you, if you start wandering around the map and run into a higher level area, you're going to get the crap beat out of you. But, I mean, for the most part, most of the battles takes skill to win, or at least some type of planning, you know, before before jumping in on on in and stuff like that. Um, so when making your character, do you remember what race you chose? Oh Jesus! I wrote it down. You wrote. I, I didn't even write mine down. I can tell you what they look like. Yeah, mine is the. It's one of the elf races. Okay. Uh, is it starts, starts with a K, I think. Okay, so you're the the car. I can't remember what it is. Um, you're you're that elf. I'm the other elf. I'm the elf with the like the blue skin. Yeah. Uh, I went with that one because I was like, oh, I'm gonna go all magic, and then I decided to go finesse too, and I'm like, well. There goes that one. Starting, I mean, really, the race doesn't really matter that much because you're eventually going to allocate points however you want. Yeah, I think I'm a, a Dockelfar. Dockelfar. Um, and so when you begin the game, you start off dead. Like your character is dead and they're being wheeled away on a cart. Uh, and that's where basically the character creator is. You create your character who is basically laying there dead. Um, did you go male or female? Male. Okay, I went male as well. Um, I contemplated doing female, but I was like, eh, I want to make a lifty Fernandez again. Uh, so I made a lifty Fernandez. What'd you name your character? Uh, you know, some some games I really like to name my characters. In other games, especially when they provide a name, I don't generally change it. So I am Kerwin, whatever the default default Kerwin? name was. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. I um, but, but the difference is, is like you play, like you don't have a your your character isn't necessarily it's a silent protagonist essentially because you're you're, you're kind of like choosing what you're going to say, and you yeah. don't actually hear your character say stuff. Which I'm fine with. It's like Dragon Age Origins in that manner. Um, in fact, this game takes a lot from Dragon Age Origins. Yeah, yeah, it does kind of feel like that. I mean, aside from, I, I, I think the, 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 the structure feels like a nice hybrid, you know, action RPG. Uh, the, the aesthetic of the game also very much looks a bit MMO-ish, but it kind of also looks typical fantasy-ish and it's not clear to me immediately whether the game is trying to be a cartoony or not it's uh-huh. sort of somewhere in the middle yeah which seems to fit the game's philosophy as well as the aesthetic yeah it's a very very colorful looking game um and and a lot of the characters very exaggerated like cartoonish but then it's very violent too yeah you know, there's a lot of blood. You, I mean, you go into those the uh, the fate fate weaving abilities, um, and you know you're stabbing a guy in the face, 
and blood's coming out and stuff. I mean, it's 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 a very violent game. I'm I'm pretty sure this was rated M for mature. If not, then damn. <laughs> if not, it should be. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I love the look of it. I you know I love the music in it. I I like the lore itself. There's a shit ton of lore in this game. And I'll be honest with you, I kind of don't care about most of it. Yeah, it, so I kind of feel the same way at the moment. And to be to be honest, I'm not that far into the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm only about four hours into the game at the moment. So it's hard to really judge lower for me because I haven't played through this game before. So uh, you know, any new fantasy world is going to be a little intimidating. Right. Uh, but I don't think the game does itself any favors in that respect by the way it throws you in. It, it doesn't start small. Like you start kind of thrust into the middle of it as, you know, you're already the chosen one. You're the one with no, no predetermined fate. You're the only one. And, you know, all these things are sort of happening around you. There's not a lot of time to come to grips with the universe before you're thrust into it. Right. So, you know, I, that makes it a little bit harder, I think, to to feel comfortable with the lore. Maybe that's just what happens over the first five or ten hours until you get familiar with it. I'm not sure yet. but So from what I can gather and from what I can kind of remember of the game, uh, there are multiple races in the kingdoms of Amalur. Um, and two races in particular... Uh, those who are mortal and those are who are immortal. Uh, the ones who are immortal are called the Fae. Uh, and they look like elves. Some of them look like elves. Um, and they're kind of split. Uh, they started a war about 10 years ago. And um, they're fighting the humans. Or I say humans, but they're fighting the mortals. Um, and the, the, the mortals have no idea how to fight back against these guys. Yeah. Um, uh, understandable. Yeah. Cause they can't kill them. I mean, they, they, I think they said that they, they don't experience death like we do. Um, which means I think that they can be killed, but they're reborn somewhere. Uh, like in a Cylon ship. Yeah. Kind of like Cylons maybe. I don't know. Um, I, I can't really remember, but, um, so our character, uh, is killed, uh, I'm guessing during the war, uh, and we are wheeled off to this place where they're kind of doing experiments on cadavers and, um, we wake up in a pile of dead bodies and uh we don't know what the hell's going on but we uh we run into a little gnome fellow who uh wants us to go talk to a guy who has basically run in the place and this is kind of like the tutorial area obviously yeah no uh, nobody so far in this game seems to ever have the answers so far it's always like oh you're really interesting let's go talk to somebody else yeah <laughs> um so you know, going through this, uh, what, what we find out is that uh, the Fey army, one of the Fey armies, um, or the Fey people, known as the Tuatha, um, who are from the House of Winter, I think. There's multiple houses of Fey. Some of them are hostile. Some of them are not. Yeah, this immediately reminded me a little bit of the Jim Butcher world. Okay. For... Uh... The Dresden Files, because they have a lot of the Fey versus the mortal realm, and then you've got the Winter Court and the Summer Court that are sort of at war with each other. Yeah, so not all Fey are bad or 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 bloodthirsty, you know. Um, the the uh, the House of Ballads is one of them that we we meet early on. Um. But one of the courts is is attacking this area, which is called the Well of Souls. 
which is a place that was created by this one gnome who was hoping to be able to bring people back to life. And it just so happens the well of souls finally worked and it worked on you. And you were the only experiment to succeed. Unfortunately, now, since the place is under attack, they had to evacuate. Uh, so we finally run into the guy who did this and, oh man, what was that guy's name again? <laughs> was that that Fulmerus Hughes? Yeah, Hughes. That's it. Uh, Hughes, uh, he, he's been working on this day and night. He finally got to work. Uh, you are, our character is an anomaly. Nobody knows, like, you, we've never seen anything like this before. We have no idea what you really are, but you need to get out of here because these guys are coming, and if they find out what you are, they're going to come after you. So, uh, unfortunately, Hughes dies, along with pretty much the Well of Souls. <laughs> yeah, I don't feel like you really put much effort into saving himself either. No, no. He was like, uh, just get out of here. I'm going to fight him off, and he, he ran and... Started cutting dudes and then got killed, but well, we escape. That's okay. And before we, before he de departs with us, he tells us to go find a fate weaver, a friend of his. Uh, and I don't know how to pronounce this guy's name, but it's, I, I've been calling him A Garth. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know how you're supposed to. I, I was, I thought it was supposed to be Agarth. Agarth. But I've been calling him a, a Garth, like just another Garth. A Garth, yeah. There's so many Garths. Yeah. So I just call him a Garth. Um, and so we run into a Garth. Um, and uh, he is what they call a Fate Weaver. Now, let's get into the lore of Kingdoms of Amalur. And the lore being that the Fae, a long time ago, taught humans or taught mortals a way to look at people's fates and it's called fate weaving and there's certain people using their fey magic have the ability to look at a person and tell their fate what they're going to see what they're going to do and eventually how they will die and it is been blessed or cursed upon uh, multiple people who take the oath oath of being a fate weaver and it feels to me like this is kind of like a lost technique or magic most people don't believe in it most people don't care about it anymore yeah so here's my conundrum I'm not expecting much from the story. When I say the story, I mean just that simple setup of you know, fate weavers being able to see the future. You're the only one without it. I I want this from a story perspective to be a story about, you know, about fate and about destiny and about predetermination and you know, I I, I want to I want there maybe to be fae that are unhappy that they have to live forever, so that means that forever they can't do anything that's not already been predetermined. All right. You know, and I, I want there to be that sort of that sort of indecision in that, yeah, this this isn't as great as you think it is, you know, to be able to see the future or to know the future. Right. And and I wanna say bringing in in such a successful fantasy writer would help that, but I don't think that that's necessarily true. I think the fantasy writer is going to get you lore and backstory and fate weaving as a backdrop. Yeah. But maybe this is off off base, but I'm just I'm just even with you know a famous author attached to the project, yeah. I really don't expect much from you know characters' moments of crisis. I expect it to be more grandiose in nature as far as his contributions uh i will tell you that you're probably absolutely correct uh, it's been a long time since i played this game um and i don't remember much of it and maybe maybe that's unfair to even 
ever leverage those type of story expectations on a game of this nature. Well, see, that's the thing. Is originally this is supposed to be an MMO. Yeah. And you know, I'm I'm I I know people out there who take the lore and the story of World of Warcraft very seriously, and I highly respect you. And I hope the movie's good. And I hope the move the movie looks kind of cool. Yep. I'm going to go watch that movie, but. I don't care about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just like there, I, I, there's tons of stuff there, but I don't care about any of it. And it's kind of how I feel about kingdoms of Amalur. Like you need a more concentrated story because so far it's pretty decent. I mean, granted we're, we're only in the early stages of the game, but other than them dragging it out, like you need to go talk to person A. Oh, person A can't really deal with your problem. Let's go talk to person B. Yeah, I mean that's like, that's, that's just them dragging the story out. But that's a video game for you. So yeah, <laughs> but um, the, I mean, yeah. So, so far, they're really upping the mysticism because, at, like, as as Matt alluded to, um, we go talk to a fate weaver who can read people's futures and he can't read ours and he realizes he's never seen anything like this before what the hell are you and we think that because we died and then was brought back to life we've basically erased our fate our fate has already been sealed and it has already been accomplished and now we're kind of just like this new vessel that can do whatever the hell they want and rewrite fate. Not just for ourselves, but for all the people we interact with. Yes, anybody who is around us. And that was the one second where I, I was like, oh, this game has some potential. Yeah. Stor- story-wise. Um, to me, though, it's slightly cliched. Oh, yeah. Because it's, it's quite you're, cliched. You're the chosen one. It's, yep. it's, that's, it's, and once again, we're doing the chosen one, you know, thing. But it does have a lot of potential, especially in like a fantasy setting like this, you know, where you're like, oh, I saw this person's fate and you just completely destroyed it. So I don't know what we're going to do. And I kind of like, you know, Agarth. He's he's kind of like a cool because, you know, like I said, the, the whole fate weaving thing is kind of like a lost technique that uh, like people have lost fate then, I think. And like he's turned to being a drunk, yeah, and drinking Which, a lot. And stuff. I actually didn't know he was drunk until it came across in the text. Oh, really? Like, I don't. It's not like he's swaying. His face isn't red. Like it's just the exact same character model as it was <laughs> when he's running through the caves. I'm like, oh, you're drunk, really? Uh, thanks for telling me you're drunk because I would have never known. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, he. Uh... But that's part of his his story is like uh, he, he's not needed anymore, so I'm just gonna get drunk. Um, but he's he's mystified by us, so he wants us to go talk to another fate weaver, one who knows a little bit more about this kind of stuff. And that's what he sends us to. He sends us to their hut on the other side of the of the little small village, and go talk to them, and I'll meet you there. And that's when the game kind of just opens up to you and says, okay, do whatever the hell you want. Yeah, why did he leave us behind? I don't know. Why does he keep leaving us behind? Everybody does. Because it's an MMO. Bunch of assholes. (laughs) I swear. (laughs) They come in right at the end like, oh, did you have a good trip? Like, no, I was running across this land covered in monsters. Yeah, for real. Be nice if you were by my side, dick. Yeah, the, the thing is, is that... Agarth is actually a pretty badass. This is one of the very few games where the NPCs are not pushovers. Yeah. They actually help in combat. Um, and so, uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, so the, the game kind of opens up from here. Did you explore it all or did you just decide I'm going to mainline this? Uh, well, actually, I mean, I've, I've done a little wandering. I haven't done a, a lot of exploring per se. I found a bunch of caves and stuff that I didn't go into. 
Uh, I'm really just trying to get the feel of it first. I may do a bit more exploring once I get a few more hours into the game. And once I know sort of what my options are, once I get a little bit better at the combat and I can, I can explore maybe with the desire to level up as opposed to just saying, Oh, I wonder what's over here. Oh, I'm dead. So yeah, I mean, I've pretty much just been sticking to the story so far. It branched off and I did, I guess the optional branch before the main story. Maybe not. Maybe I did it the other way around. Right. Well, I did do a few side quests because, well, damn it. I saw those exclamation points and had to do them. Um, but like I said on our last episode when we were going into this game, we kind of need to do some faction stuff because some of that stuff is actually really good. Uh, and I say really good, but I mean some of that stuff is more than, hey, <laughs> go over here and get these books for me. You know, or something like that. Um, so I did join uh, the War Sworn, which are kind of like the Templars or the or the Country Guard, I should say. Um, and uh, they had a, a pretty unique little quest that I could do. Uh, and then along the way, I found the Travelers, who's kind of like the Thieves Guild. Um. The travelers are basically you like so. Say you can steal, you can steal shit in this game, and you can't sell stolen shit, so you have to take it to a traveler. Also, it looks like there's a fair chance of getting caught stealing. Oh yes, Uh, and you can absolutely just kill people in town if you want to. Um, You can turn it off. You know, you can, like, it's set to where if you attack in town, it's not going to hurt anybody, but you can turn that off. You can straight up murder people, and there is consequences to it. So, on top of all this MMO stuff, there's also aspects of fable. Um, so it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's a ton of things in there. Um, but yeah, like I said, I, I did a little bit of the Warsworn stuff, um, and it was all right. I joined the Warsworn, and now I got a bunch of other missions I need to do. And the fir- the next mission I have to do takes me clear across the fucking map, so that's going to take forever. Um, and this map is huge. I remember when I first played this game, because I was actually excited to play this game. I had been following it for a while, and I asked Ken, please let me review this game, because I really want to play it. So he, he, you know, he, he got me the copy and, um, I remember just messing around this first little starting area here. And I realized that when, every time I brought up the map, it was showing the quote unquote, the local map and the local map was pretty damn big. Uh, and now I hit the, the button to go to the world map and I looked at the world map. I was like, wow, that's really big. And then I realized you could zoom out and I started zooming out. And I was like, I was, I was, I had this moment of, I'm such a tiny speck in this little world kind of thing. I was like, wow, this is fucking huge. You know, I mean, maybe by today's standards, like Dragon Age Inquisition, or I don't know what else is a gigantic world. Um, but, but I mean, yeah, they, they, this game may be small compared to that. I still don't think so. Um, because and the issue is, and we haven't got into it yet. You, you will eventually get to there. You will start running into open spaces that are filled with nothing. <laughs> that sounds it, fun. It, well, I mean, it, there's enemies running around and stuff like that, but you could obviously tell this originally was an MMO and this was, was supposed to be a place where you were going to level grind, killing just random mobs and stuff. I mean, you, like it, like to a T, you can see like the aspects. the The cities are huge, and they're supposed to be huge because this was supposed to be an MMO where a bunch of people were running around, and it's 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 crazy. Just like seeing those comparisons and mixing them together, it's it's you know, it's just it's so strange. This game is how it was handled and and everything like. If 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 an MMO had this kind of combat in it, that'd be fucking nuts. 
Yeah, I mean, that, that was what drew me to Terra when I started playing that for review, was that it had pretty decent combat, although this does feel a bit... It's a bit more zoomed in. To me, it feels more like a console action RPG. Yeah, it feels like Fable. Yeah. And Terra felt like an MMO with good combat. This feels more like an actual hybrid between the two. As opposed to just a a shade better combat than other games. This feels, you know, significantly different. Yeah. And I, I, you know... Like I, I, I don't know when they decided that they didn't want to make an MMO. Um, but I have a feeling it was probably close to past halfway development, and yeah. they said, "Well, we, let's make a good combat engine at least." And so they they did that. Now I know I like I mean, there's not much we can talk about. I mean, when we when we go to the hut to talk to the other Fate Weaver, oh look, the Fate Weaver's been killed. And there's a woman standing over him, an elven woman. She talks to us. And she's like, well, I got to get out of here. Um, I'll see you later. And when she leaves, she disappears. And then um, Agar shows up and is like, what the fuck? Yeah, what'd you do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll leave you for two seconds. <laughs> um, And he's like, all right, well, we need to go. I didn't want to do this, but we're going to have to go somewhere where we can figure out what the hell's going on. Why didn't we do that to start then? No, well, I, that, that's quite well. I think what he's trying to do is he's trying to pawn us off on other people because he, he, he really doesn't want to do this. Like, I think he wanted to pawn us off onto the other fate weaver and have them take us, but well, they're dead. So now he has to take us. So he's taking us to this location where the Fate Weavers uh, originated and where they got their power, which is called the Theater of Fate. Um, and uh, when we get there, uh, it's kind of overrun by a few things. Um, and then on top of that, the Tuatha show up after we use the the fate machine i don't know what the hell is called huh. um and we get the the fate codex the fae codex which teaches people how to do fate weaving and we need to take it somewhere um and then the two authors show up we kill a bunch of them the elven woman who was there over the, the dead fate weaver's bodies there she's talking to us telling us hey you got information. I got information that you need. You need to come with me or meet me somewhere. And then the the story kind of branches from there uh, because we need to, the Tuatha know who we are now, which means that they're going to be coming after us. And so we got to quote unquote deal with that first. Yeah. Stop them from tracking you. Yeah. And so um, they're, they're looking for us. So we got to stop that or we can just go straight to, the elven woman and she can help us figure out what to do with this codex. Um, and that's kind of where I stopped. I mean, that's, I mean, that that's pretty much it, but there was something I wanted to mean. Oh yeah. Cause you mentioned it in our email uh, about the camera. <laughs> yeah. That camera. I feel like that was my first impression with the game, which is that I felt like I was drunk like a Garth was. <laughs> you know, every time I, you know, I, I try to look a little to the left, nothing happens. Try to look a little more, the camera whips all the way around. I feel like I'm walking like in a zigzag pattern, trying to just go straight. Yeah, uh, it's one of those games, um, and I've mentioned this before. I mentioned it on Alpha Protocol when we did Alpha Protocol, uh, and I'll mention it here. It's one of those games where the camera is not used to move. Um, the camera is used just to look. So I could be pushing forward, and if I move the camera, I will eventually be, I'll still be moving in the same direction. Where in many games, particularly action games, when you move the camera, your character starts facing that way. 
So you're technically using the camera to turn. Or, or yeah, 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 that's totally right. Or just have them totally dissociated. Yeah. And move with, you know, move with the left stick, move the camera with the right stick. But this has a weird little bit of a Mario 64 thing going on with the left stick, which is whichever way you walk, the camera switches so that you're facing forward. Yeah. And also you can change the camera. So that, you know, that's an inherent problem, I think, because you've got two different ways to control the camera. So they, they kind of fight against each other a lot. But the reason why the camera is so funny like this is because when you go into combat, it zooms out into like this almost like an arena style of camera. And it kind of like sticks to that area. So you can literally like run off of camera sometimes if you're fast enough. <laughs> and the camera will like just go nuts for a second. Not knowing where to go. So if you're in like this battle arena and instead of fighting these guys, you just want to run away and you just run off, like off camera. Yeah. The camera is like, oh, where are you going? And, you know, it, it kind of has to catch up to itself. Um, But, yeah, the camera is very weird. Yeah. I mean, to me, it was it was that was my first observation. Why does moving control my camera? And moving my camera controls my camera. Yeah, like two different two different things fighting against each other, and then just the the way the camera accelerates on top of that seems weird. Yeah, like it just starts off so slow, and then the half second later it's whipping around you. Yeah, um, I mean, I feel like it's the kind of thing you get used to a couple hours in, but man, that was that was weird for the first. For the first couple hours, yeah, it's it, it definitely takes some getting used to it. To me, it feels sticky, like the camera will try to stick in certain spots, and they're not particularly on your character. Just, just you know, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna stare at this for a few seconds, even though you're not <laughs> the main focal point here. Um, but yeah, it's it's one of those things you have to get used to, you know. Yeah. I hate to be, I hate to say it like that, but I mean, it is. It's one of those things. Yeah, and it's not like it doesn't work. It's just, it just feels different than I'm used to. So, yeah, I think it's just an adjustment. Yeah. Phase. So, yeah. I this is supposed to be like a shorter episode, small episode, because we, you know, we we only got about four or five hours in the game. We just want kind of wanted to do an introduction, um, which is totally fine. Um, and uh, so far, I mean, I have you experimented with crafting at all or anything like that? Uh, you know, when I picked my original, my original abilities, I have like, like shard mixing, shard melding. I don't know, spell something. So basically, I was like, I'm not gonna. Normally in this game, I would go with a lot of, you know, I would want to pick all the plants. And good lord, are there a lot of sparkly plants in this game to pick? Oh, yeah. But I basically put zero points in that. So even though I go to try and pick the plants, I just don't get anything from them. Yeah. Uh, But the ability that I have my points in is something to do with mixing shards. And then I leveled that up so I can mix Shards together to get better quality shards, to get gems, to then, I guess, sock it into weapons and stuff. I believe it's called sage crafting. Yes, sage crafting. That's what I'm going to do. So all I've done so far with that is make myself some gems from all the shards that I have. So haven't actually used them for anything, but uh, I will. Got to socket those gems, man. Are they reusable? or You can separate them, yes. Okay. Um, if you, if you don't, if you made a mistake or something like that, you can't separate them. It costs money to do it, but, um, I went with alchemy so I can create some really cool potions. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I usually would go for, but I wanted to try something a little different this time. And my issue is, is that I'll never use potions because I'm like, I better save this for whenever I really need it. And then I'll be at the end of the game. And I'm like, well, I got all these potions that I never used cause I was saving them for when I really needed it. And apparently I didn't really need it. So... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think I need to just start chugging like potions 
just do, just during random fights. Yeah. So, and then of course you got the cool little fate. I can't remember what the actual event's called. I think it's just called. Is it called fate? Sh- fate shift. I like think, when you go into like reckoning mode. Yeah, the reckoning that, mode. Yeah. Um, where you slow down time and you do a shit ton more damage. Um, and you uh you kill as many things as you can on screen, and then do an execution. And then you have a button prompt, like a quick time event, where you mash on a certain button, and you can actually increase the percentage of experience points that you're going to get through that kill. And um, that mode's kind of cool. Yeah, I didn't really use it right the first couple times. I was just killing a guy and then executing him. I wasn't killing all the guys. Right. So I, I think I lost a lot of bonus XP that way, but... Luckily, that meter fills up pretty fast. Yeah, I'm talking like within like two fights. Oh, you can do reckoning mode again if you want. <laughs> you know, and it's like, all right, let's do it again. You know, uh, I don't, I don't know what the level cap in this game is, but I think it's pretty high. Um, and one other, one other thing that I will mention is that this game had DLC. It had two pieces of DLC. Um. And I rem- I distinctly remember playing one of them and saying, "Wow, this is actually really a really good addition to the game." Um, and I can't for the life of me remember what it's called. I think it's Teeth of something. Yeah, I mean, I was looking up some things earlier about it, this game, and they were talking about the season pass being pretty controversial. I can't. I can't even remember it now. There were two pieces of DLC that came out for. I do remember that though. Is it Teeth of Naros? That's it right there. And then they've got the Legend of Dead Kel. Uh huh. I I don't remember Legend of Dead Kel, but I do remember Teeth of Naros, and I remember saying that was actually really enjoyable. Huh. Yeah, it says they have an online pass that contains seven single-player quests. Along with some Mass Effect 3 armor? Um, I got the Mass Effect armor. Um, because I had played Mass Effect on my profile. Yeah. So I got the Shepherd's set of armor. Yep. Yeah, I used that in uh, Dragon Age quite a bit. Yeah. It's crazy how that, that suit of armor in Dragon Age was actually really, really good. Yeah. <laughs> and like how that suit of armor from Dragon Age in Mass Effect was really, really good too. <laughs> and I was yep. like, because my buddy, he had um he had the Dragon Age armor in Mass Effect. It was either two or three. I think it was in two. And he used it throughout the <laughs> entire game. I was like, really? You're still using the Dragon Age armor? And he's like, it's... Good. It's some of the best in the game. I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, I, I, I just thought it was funny about this uh, the the season pass, the online pass, because you know, I, I guess when this came out four years ago, maybe they weren't quite as common. I feel uh, like they're pretty common now. Yeah, they're really really common now. Um, and I wonder if this would have taken the same level of heat. I'm pretty sure it did. I think especially after they started hearing about the financial troubles that, you know, 3A Studios was having and yeah. then them saying, well, are they going to get everything out? You know, which they did. They did release those two DLCs. Um, and from what I, like, I remember playing the, the Teeth of Naros and I remember saying that was pretty good. Uh, and I, I heard the same thing for the other one too. Oh, so I like I I do remember them like kind of they they did a good job with them so it wasn't like throwaway stuff like oh here's here's a new armor set or here's a side quest where you go collect like five things and bring it back to them so multiple things like that <clears throat> I think it was like a whole new area and stuff yeah but yeah I, like I said this is just the introduction. We, we're 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 just now getting into the game. We're still technically in the starting area, <laughs> um, and uh, 
just wait till you get like what just wait till you start going east see th- these quests must not be evenly spaced out then because I was looking at all right how many main quests are there and it looked like there were only 10 or 12 and uh, I was like well it looks like we're already three in we're a quarter of the way done with the game already so well, I, I, things must lengthen out a bit as we, I, as we get farther in I think things lengthen out at the same time we may very well be because we're you, I'm about five hours into the game and you know how long to beat says maybe 30 hours I guarantee you a lot of that is just traveling yeah I mean this game may not be that long if you just mainline it Huh. Um, um, and I, like, I, like I said, I highly suggest you do some of the faction stuff because I do remember some of the faction stuff being really good. And like I said, I did, I did the war sworn faction, uh, the quest that the first one that they had, and that one's actually really good. I mean, it's, it's relatively long. It has cut scenes, stuff like that in it. Oh, cool. Yeah. It's, it's, it's good. Um, um, you, you go on like this whole, like searching for a cult kind of thing. It's, uh, it's it's interesting, so yeah, definitely give that a shot. You you can find him at the at the beginning town, the very first town that you go to. Um, he's in the tavern. Uh, he's got yeah, he'll have an exclamation point over his head. You'll know whenever you're looking at a um a faction quest because whenever you're talking to them, it'll have a symbol on the right hand side, kind of like, like how we talk to Agarth. Yeah, the like the blue weaving thing. Yep. Yeah, yep. it'll be like a banner. It'll be different banners for the the factions. Oh, cool! So you'll know when you're talking to a faction person. Um, but yeah, that's it. Um, we'll stop there. I do appreciate everybody listening. Um, we are going to be uh returning with more Kingdoms of Amalur next week. But um, if you'd like to send an email, you can send us an email. It's Drew at ztgd.com. I'll read it on the show. You can talk to us about Kingdoms of Amalur or anything else you want to talk about. Um, you can also follow us all on Twitter. I am at DML Fury. Matt is at REMGS. And the podcast itself is at ZTGD Phoenix Down. I post all the episodes there. You can check them out there. Um, and once again, thank you, everybody, for voting um, on our little poll. Yeah, that was a really cool way to do it. Yeah, that's a really, uh, it was a really interesting thing. It was fun checking it every day and seeing what was pulling through and stuff and neck and neck. Yeah, it was crazy. I really wanted us to play Wolfenstein, but that's, (laughs) that'll be for another time. But, uh, yeah, I think, I think we're going to have a good time with Kingdom's Amber. I'm kind of like in, I'm kind of in this this mode right now where I'm like, all right, let's do this Amalore thing. It's a big RPG. It's not that big. I like the <laughs> combat in it, you know, and there's a lot more here. If you want to dig deep into it, like the crafting is insane. Like you can like, you can craft whatever the hell you want to like it, just, you know, not, not just socketing gems or making potions. You can craft like armor and weapons and shit. It's, yeah, I've seen some of that at the forges. Yeah, it's it's nuts. I mean, th- this is a full-on MMO where you can do whatever the hell you want to as an MMO, but it's all in a single-player package. Um, and it's really interesting. I've never seen a game like this before. Uh, well, I, I I have. It's Dragon Age Inquisition, but that came way later. <laughs> you know, this was the first one I'd ever seen like that before. Um. But yeah, let us know what you think of Kingdoms of Amalur. You send me an email or you can tweet to us or something like that. I'll read it up on the show. Um, I think that's about it, though. Um, we're going to get out of here. Um, but uh, we will be back next week. Uh, but until then, I am Drew. And I'm Matt. And we're out of here. I hope you guys have a great week. And uh, we'll be back next week with the continuation of Kingdoms of Amalur Reckoning.